Well, God bless our kids. God bless everyone of you today who's joined us in the service today. You should have an outline that says why you need the Bible, part two, and there should be four fill in the bank blanks there. Uh, we're going to continue our series on the sword of the Lord, which is God's Word. And uh, last week I began a, it, it was nine points that I wanted to share with you, but it's hard to get that all in one service. So I broke that up five last week for this week. So that will be your fill in the blanks there, six through nine. And I had read, um, this is a phrase maybe you have heard before, but it is said, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And that brings me to the next reason why we need God's Word, and that is number six, to gain perspective, to gain perspective. As, as I mentioned at the very beginning here, everyone is going through something. And every one of us, before we leave this earth, we will go through difficult times. We'll go through tough times. We all go through pain. Everyone, whoever lives, goes through difficult, painful things. It's a part of life. Um, we go through the highs and we go through the lows. We go through the plateaus. And uh, through it all, the Bible will give us perspective if we let it. You know, Jesus did this a lot of times with the disciples. Remember when he had just finished teaching 5,000 men, let alone women and children, and they were hungry. And Jesus said, give them something to eat. And all they had was five loaves and two fish. And they said, but what is that for so many? But how many of you know by the time it was all done and they had 12 baskets left over out of those two fish and five loaves, their perspective was different. You see, Jesus never left anyone with the same perspective once they were done. The disciples would often ask, how can this be possible? You know, how can a rich man get into heaven? And Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And you've heard me say this many times that uh, we're called on to magnify the Lord. You know, in the midst of trials, it's, it's tempting to magnify the trial. In the midst of pain, it's tempting to magnify the pain. But what God wants us to do is in the midst of it all, have a different perspective, and that is get our magnifying glass and look at God and make Him bigger in our eyes. It doesn't make Him bigger. It just makes Him bigger in our eyes. And so you may not know all the reasons why you go through things immediately, but listen to me. We can hold on to the instruction found in this verse. Look at Proverbs 14. I've placed it right under your outline there. It says, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Have you ever known of anyone who thought what they were doing was the way of life, but it was only killing them, it was only hurting them? You know, there's another verse in Isaiah that says this, uh, 
right below there, Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. You know, God has a better perspective than what you do. God sees your life more than what you can see. God sees the end of your life. God knows when we're going to be born, and God knows when we're going to die. God knows how. God knows when. He knows the second. We don't. So he has a better perspective, but I want to throw out two more P words, and you might want to put this somewhere. It's not only to gain perspective, but I want you to know that God, with, uh, along with the problem that's going to come your way, God often has a purpose. God has a purpose. And the Bible gives us the perspective that, hey, I'm not going through this for just no reason. In fact, James chapter 1, I don't think I have this on your outline, but James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it literally says this, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, because the testing of our faith produces patience in us so that we will be whole and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you know... Do you know, I have never had God consult me on whether or not I needed patience. Has He consulted you? Hey, you need to have patience. Now, a lot of times what happens is, is you just go through stuff and find out, man, I need to be patient. And that's what He's saying here. Count it all joy when you encounter those various tough things, trials, Because it's during that time of testing that you will produce patience. And the reason why we have patience is so that we will lack nothing. We will be, the Bible says, perfect. Do you know what the word perfect in the Bible means? It doesn't mean you're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. It just means you're whole. You're whole. You're complete. You're lacking in nothing. Can anyone say right now that you lack in nothing? Are you still in the process of learning some things? And I think we'll always be here on this earth until we're, the Lord is ready to take us. There's still things we need to learn. Amen? Now, folks, that's a different way to live right there. Counting it all joy for the things that we go through. Now, we're not joyful about it. We're not like joyful about the trial because it hurts. Amen? But we know there's a reason for that season. And God is working it. The Bible says this in Romans 8, 28. He's working all things together for good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to His purpose. I'm often reminded of this illustration when I think of this about a parade a circus parade that was coming through a town where these two little boys lived. And there was a young brother and an older brother, and they wanted to see the parade, but they couldn't leave the house. So the younger brother finds this little knot hole in their wooden fence, and he's looking through that knot hole, and he's seeing part of the parade. And he looks around, and his bigger brother's not there, and he looks up, and he sees his brother up on the roof of the house. 
and the brother can see the parade from the beginning to the end. And the little brother can only see it through the knot hole. You and I are like the little brother. We only get to see the parade through the knot hole. We don't see it from beginning to end. God's like the big brother. He's on top of the roof, and he sees it from beginning to end. And so we got to understand that God is watching the parade from a different perspective. He sees from a different altitude than what we do. He sees further down the road than what we do. He knows what we're going through this day, but he knows also it's going to produce that that day. Are you with me? You see, we go through stuff in order to gain perspective. And we're usually, listen to this, you are usually never closer to God than when you go through a crisis. I mean, how sad are you when everything is going great? It's when you go through a crisis that you're usually down on your face, falling down on your knees, crying out to God, and you usually are crying out, oh, God, take this problem away. Amen? God, I don't want to go through this. And I feel like sometimes God says, yeah, I'm not taking it away. I'm not taking it away because I haven't had this much attention from you in a long time. Now, I don't know if God does that, but how many know he wants us talking to him every day? In the good times, not just the bad times. Amen? So look at your neighbor and say, gain perspective. Number seven, we need the Bible in order to develop our convictions. Convictions. If you will think of this, convictions are like the train tracks of your life. Everyone's convictions come from somewhere and they go to somewhere. Convictions are like... uh, they're, they're, they're the beliefs that shape your behavior. A conviction is something you believe so strongly that determines the way you go, the way you act, the way you believe, the way you think, the, what, the things you do. And it is, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about opinions here because opinions are actually based on thoughts. And how many of you know our thoughts can change? How many of you have ever had an opinion and it changed? You had an opinion on this and then you got more thought, you got more information, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, my, my opinion has changed on that. So opinions are not convictions. Opinions are based on thoughts. They're based on emotions. Convictions, they're not debatable. They're not negotiable. Are you with me? A conviction is something you'll die for. I am convinced that neither life nor death nor principalities nor powers nor things hidden nor things present nor things to come will separate us from the love of God. I know that there's nothing going on in life. I know there's nothing that's going to happen that will cause God to love me any less. I am convinced of that, and I'll die for that. You see, that's a conviction. And what is needed today more than at any time is that people with conviction... We'll live those convictions out. Amen? You know, it's interesting that the people 
who have made the greatest impacts in the world have not been the smartest or the most intelligent people. They haven't been the wealthiest people. You know who they've been? They've been the people with the strongest convictions. You see, people with the strongest convictions are world changers because the world can't change them. And they change the world. Jesus was a man of conviction. Amen? The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You know, people have asked me before, what do you think about abortion? What do you think about same-sex marriage? Or what do you think about legalizing marijuana? You know, those are types of questions. But you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say this. It really doesn't matter what I think. Are you with me? It doesn't matter what you think. What does he think? Adultery is wrong because the Bible says it is. Murder is wrong because the Bible says it is. And, and the mature, listen to this, the mature receive that and distinguish good from evil. Look at this again, Hebrews 5.14. Now watch this. But solid food is for the mature. In other words, that means you're going to have to graduate from the milk of the Word and get into the meat. Now watch this. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. But where did it come from? The solid food, the mature, the meat of the Word of God. So the same can be said of any other sin, sodomy, stealing, lying. You know, Satan can make anything wrong seem okay. We see it in our culture today. I mean, stealing, for instance. Let me just walk you through that one. Let me show you how the devil can make stealing someone else's property seem okay. Here it goes. Someone has something you need. You don't have it, and they have more than one. So the devil says, you have none. He has more than one. You should have what he doesn't need, and it's okay to take it. You see how he operates? You go, oh. Yeah. Can happen in taxes. The government has too much of my money already anyway, so I'm not going to let them know about this amount. And I'm going to scrape that off the top. You say, now, Pastor, you're, you're meddling. No, I'm not. I'm talking about how the devil can make things like stealing seem okay. So often what happens is people look at the Bible like it's a bunch of rules and regulations, but what it actually does, this is what Jesus says it does, is it sets you free. Jesus says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
The truth will set you free because that's what truth does. It sets people free. Here's a scripture from God's perspective in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 29. This is in your outline. God says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always. Now, why does he say that? He puts an addendum to it. Here's why. He says that it may be well with them and their sons forever. God wants it to be well with us. That's why he's put these things in here. He's, he hasn't made all these commandments to make our life miserable. He's made all these commandments for us to follow them so that it will be well with us. And not just us, but all of our children after us. So everything we need to know in life, it's in here. And what's right and wrong, it's in here. But what God wants to do is to get it from here into here. And that's setting the train tracks of our life for as we walk this life that we are people of conviction. You know, it really, you know, can I just say this? It doesn't really matter what the government legalizes or what they don't legalize. Think of this. Just walk with me on this. Let's say America decides we're going to legalize polygamy. Okay? But they say, but you have to stop at three wives. Are you with me? Now watch this. Why? Who says so? Why do we have to stop at three? Where'd you come up with that? Whereas if we just do what the Word of God says, are you hearing me? Some of the stuff that we deal with in the world, if it was just dealt with, if we were just people of conviction, governments, representatives, senators, whatever the whatever kings, queens, magistrates, lawyers, judges, just people of conviction, let the Word of God direct us. How awesome would it be to have truthful politicians. Amen. So, the Bible gives mankind the parameters. God sees the, sets the standards. God makes the laws. The Bible is our source of convictions, not government, not society, not our peers, not what's popular today, the Bible. This is why we need the Bible, to develop our convictions. Now, what's happening right now is I am seeding, taking seeds from Scripture. I am seeding the Word of God into you just like what a farmer would do in his ground as he seeds wheat or corn or whatever it is that he's sowing. And I'm seeding that Bible into you right now. But here's what has to happen. You have to keep it up every day. Do you know that studies show that we forget 95% of what we hear within 72 hours? So you know what? Most of you have already forgotten everything I said last Sunday. So, but we got it on video. Amen? So as a pastor, I, I could really get depressed over that. Because I spend hours preparing, hours and hours every week to bring you God's Word in a relevant way. And then studies come along and show that you're going to forget 95% of what I say. 
by Wednesday morning. Hallelujah. So I've prepared an outline for you so you can write it down. We're recording it on CD, so you can order in a CD if you'd like one. They're free. Or you can just go right online. We've got it where you can do it with an iPod. You can hear it. Or you can even see this preacher do it all over again on video. And we're finding people from countries all over the world that are watching this online. Aren't you thankful for the day and hour in which we live? You see, I sometimes I have you fill in these blanks so you will participate in it. And sometimes I'll have you repeat something that I have said, and I'll say, say this out loud, say this to your neighbor. And I don't do that because I want to watch you talk. I do that so that you will hear your own heart say it. And someone else will hear you say it. Then after, because, because you, how does faith come? By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's how we learn. That's how we learn. That's how it stays there. And watch this in Joshua chapter 1. We're given some instruction here. When Joshua takes over for Moses, Moses dies, goes on to be with God. Joshua now takes the children of Israel. This is what God says. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, if you'll write this down, hearing, thinking, meditating. Some people stop after hearing. After they hear the Word of God, they won't think about it anymore. And that's where we get into trouble. We need to hear it again. You know, many times after I'm done preaching this, I'll go home this afternoon and I'll watch it. And do you know, there is something amazing happened. It is as if I am watching somebody that I'm not. I, I, I look at myself and I'm like, who is this? Because it's like, I can't come up with this on my own. And I'll literally get blessed watching the sermon, the message. Because I've, 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 I've preached it to myself, I've, I've maybe learned some of the things I'm going to say, but then watching it and then hearing it again, it's like, it's like brand new to me. I'm like, man, God, you're so good. This is good. But it's because it's the Word of God. It's not because it's me. It's because it's the Word of God. And here's what happens is when the Word of God gets God on it, amen, have you ever, have you ever heard a message and it was just dead? It was dry? It was like, uh, but there's something missing? It's like, yeah, it's true, but there's something. You need the anointing. But here's the thing. Once you hear it, then you've got to think on it. And then after you think on it, you need to meditate on it. And I just want to say something. The devil's stolen that word from the church. We hear meditation. We go, ooh, no, 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 no meditation. No. You need to hear the word. Then you need to think on the word. And then you need to meditate upon the word. It shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. 
That's what it says up here in Joshua 1.8. On it, how often? Day and night. Why do I want to do that? So I'll be careful to do according to all that's written in it. And then if I do that, it will make my way prosperous and I'll have success. So do you want to be prosperous? Do you want to be successful? This is how you do it. Number Number seven, develop your convictions. Number eight, to sharpen your skills. Now look at Ecclesiastes 10.10. Are you getting anything out of this? Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Watch this. It didn't say working harder, using the axe harder, It says skill will bring success. You see, it's not how strong your arm is, it's how sharp your axe is. So if your axe is dull, you need to get it sharpened. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? Right here. It'll sharpen your skills. You see, God has gifted you with skills. Every single person in this room, you have skills. Some of you have leadership skills. Some of you have... uh, Following skills, you're good at following. You could, you could teach a course on how to follow and what not to do to follow. How many of you know you've got to have good followers to be a good leader? If no one's following you, hmm, it's a little difficult. I mean, what would it be like of an army sergeant to not have any of his platoon obey him? It would be total chaos. So you've, you, you, God has given you skills. He's given you uh, things, to, but he wants you to be able to sharpen those skills. So it's, it's not how strong your arm is. It's how sharp your axe is. So the question I'm asking you today is how sharp is the axe you're using today in this world? Look at James 1, verse 22. It says, be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Well, pastor, I thought you said faith comes by hearing. Right. That's step one. You got to hear it. You got to talk it. You have to meditate it. Then you have to walk it. Amen? You know, a lot of times we need Bible study, but I think more than after that, we need Bible doing. There's some Christians that know a lot of Bible, they just aren't living a lot of Bible. We've got to walk it. We've got to live it. The Bible says this in, in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, these are Jesus' own words. Watch this, verse 24 and verse 26. You'll recognize this. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, watch this, and puts them into practice. Say this, hear and do. So everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is what he's going to be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Isn't that good? Now look over in verse 26. He also says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them, say this, hear and don't do. Watch what he says. That's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now listen, we're already talking about somebody that's hearing the Word of God, but they're not doing it. 
I can't tell you how many people could probably quote Scripture that are walking and living in sin. Right now, they're out at the bars and popping tops and sucking suds and getting drunk and cursing God, and they know the Scripture. They could quote John 3.16. They could quote Proverbs 20, or Psalms 23. They could quote the Word of God. But something happened along the line, and they got upset, and the devil short-circuited them. Do you know anybody like that? There's a great, great quote by D.L. Moody, and he said, The Bible wasn't given to increase our knowledge. It was given to change our lives. Can you say amen to that? So we need to gain perspective. We need to develop our convictions. We need it to, guard, to sharpen our skills. And last of all, we need God's Word to build our character. That's kind of related to number seven. The Bible develops your convictions, and your convictions develop your character. To be a person of character, you've got to be a person of conviction. Look at Jude 1. Jude is only one chapter. Verse 20. Jude says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourself up. You need to pray in the Spirit. That's how you do it. How many of you know Jesus said on some things, these things don't come out except through prayer. These things don't come out through prayer and fasting, except through prayer and fasting. The Bible was given to change our lives. Now listen to this. Maybe you have a problem with the words you use in life. I know a lot of people that are believers, they, they struggle at times with the words they use, the things they say. They wish they could take them back. You know, Joyce Meyer, she, she's, uh, she's great at saying, talking about her faults and her failings. And she talks about her, why is she so good at teaching about the mouth and the battlefield of the mind? Because she's lived it. She's learned it. She talks about how her mouth was her, her enemy, you know. And she got to get control of her mouth, but you can't get control of your tongue until the Holy Spirit gets control of your heart. And so maybe your words are angry as a Christian. Maybe your words are hateful. Maybe they're spiteful. Maybe they're resentful. Maybe they're unforgiving. And yet you would say, I, I love God. I know God. Maybe you have a problem with profanity. And if you have a problem with that, I will give you a pastoral prescription. It's James 3. Read James 3. But remember, once you hear it, speak it, think it, and meditate on it. And then walk it. And the Holy Spirit will help you with it. James chapter 3, if you will read it, you will find out that your heart is connected to your mouth. So what is in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. So really, you don't have a mouth problem, you have a heart problem. I'm not talking the physical pump, I'm talking the interior of us.
So if you have a mouth problem, you have a heart problem. If you tear people up with your words, you hurt your spouse, you hurt your kids with your words, you cuss your boss out at work, whatever it is, you, you have a heart problem, not just a mouth problem. And you get the heart right, and the mouth will fall in line. It'll fall in line. You say, well, I just can't control my mouth. No, you can't control your heart, and we need God's help with that. We need His help with that. You see, sometimes what we've got to do, this is why Paul said what he said. He said, I die daily. Because why? Because that old nature rose up. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's what he would say. He even said this. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do those. Have you ever felt like that? Man, the thing I really want to do, it's not what I'm doing. And the thing I don't want to do, I'm a pro at that. You ever feel like that? Man, I'm a pro at doing what I don't want to do. I really want to do this, but I just can't seem to do it. And then he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Now, he didn't stay there. He knew that God, he said, but God, right? Everybody say, but God. You see, a lot of our problems could be solved, but God. Just get God in the midst of it all. Amen? Let me give you this one illustration that I want to share with you. It's by a man, a man named Ernest Shackleton. And if you read about him, you will find that he was famous for leading the voyage of the ship Endurance and its crew to the Antarctic. And despite cataclysmic failure leading his men out alive, Their boat was crushed. They lived on ice floats. They sailed lifeboats hundreds of miles in terrible sea conditions and climbed mountain peaks. And through it all, not one man was lost. Shortly after their vessel, the endurance was crushed. Ernest urged his men, he said, lighten your loads and take only two pounds of personal items And to illustrate this point, Ernest tore two pages. He had his Bible. And he tore two pages out of his Bible, and he dropped it in the snow. And here is the full story from the South Georgia Museum. On July the 16th, 1914, as the Endurance Expedition was getting underway, Queen Alexandra, who was the widow of King Edward VI, or the seventh, she visited the ship, and the queen presented Shackleton with a Union flag, a replica of her own standard flag, and two inscribed copies of the Bible. Later, as he's trapped in the ice of the Waddell Sea, Shackleton and his men had to quit their stricken ship and begin desperate measures to save themselves by hauling boats and stores across the ice. Each man was allowed to keep just two pounds of personal gear. Setting a good example, Shackleton discarded what at other times might be judged his most valuable and precious belongings. Gold coins, other valuables, and even the Bible. But he tore some pages from the Bible before he left it. He tore the flyleaf that had the queen's inscription, the 23rd Psalm, and a verse from the book of Job. The queen's inscription was from Psalm 107, 
in verse 24. And if any of you know much about the book of Psalms, there is a psalm in Psalm chapter 107, verses 23 through 30, and it is called the Sailor's Psalm. If you know a sailor, send it to him. Psalm 107, 23 through 30. But out of that, verse 24 reads, May the Lord guide you through all dangers by land and sea. May you see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. It was almost as if it was a proclamation of what would take place. And there was also a, ber- a verse that he had tore out from the book of Job, and it was Job 38, 29 through 30, which reads, Out of whose womb came the ice, and the hoary frost of heaven, who gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. And he dropped the Bible. However, another crew member retrieved the Bible that Shackleton had discarded, and he carried it home. It's now in the collection of the Royal Geographical Society. The Bible wasn't lost. Let me close with this. When all is lost... Where do you find your hope? Scripture, even a page or two, can provide comfort in the midst of deep uncertainty and trial. I've been reading this book for 50 years. And it still amazes me. Sometimes I'll be reading it and it is literally like the words jump off the page at me. I'm just sharing this with Sherry. It's like, I've read this book over and over 30 times easy. I know I've read this, but wow, isn't this amazing? Because it speaks to what I'm going through right now. Why does that happen? Because it's living. It's alive. It's like a two-edged sword. Pierces the soul and the spirit. The joints and the marrow. And it's full of life because it's life-changing. I don't normally give a nine-point message. That's why I broke it up in two, two weeks. I might give three, four, maybe five points. But these past two Sundays, I have given you a cumulative of nine points because, church, that is how important I feel this is to spark a hunger inside you for the Word of God. If we want to end this year in prosperity and success, spiritually, emotionally, even physically and financially. 
We can do it through the Word of God. Will you open it up every day? Will you let it be in you what God wants it to be in you so it can be through you in all that you do? Let's bow our head. Father, I thank you right now for your word that it endures forever. I thank you, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. The words that worked in 2000 B.C. work in 2023 A.D. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take this message and so implant it that we think on it, we meditate on it, and then we just live it. We do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you get something out of that? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. I've been held in